the Court of Blades, you're playing you're playing very canny retainers. These are these are not your run of the mill kind of like hired henchmen that you throw a bag of money to and go, oh, follow the girl. Uh, these are these are very much like prized, and and all of the playbooks um, kind of they they play that up. Um, you're not just somebody holding a, a rancor and guarding the gate. You are the bravo. You are the champion nice. of the house. You're the hawk. You're a bounty hunter. You're you know the knack. You are the sorcerer, the house sorcerer. So what happens when two geeks that love role playing run into each other and fall in love? Today's episode is uh, with two designers who are actually partners. I got a chance to sit down with Navi and Sean Drake. Like me, they're huge fans of John Harper's Blades in the Dark. Unlike me, they have the talent and the drive to actually create their own Forged in the Dark game. When this episode drops, their Kickstarter for Court of Blades has only a handful of days left. We talk about where the idea of Court of Blades came from. We talk about how it compares to Blades in the Dark, what it shares, and what makes it different. We talk about the rich world that they've created. And finally, we take the step-by-step process of going from concept to iteration, to playtest, to finalizing a game, and then eventually putting it out on Kickstarter. If Renaissance court intrigue, backstabbing, retainers doing the dirty work of their houses sounds interesting to you, then sit back and enjoy my conversation with Navi and Sean Drake. Enjoy! Third Floor Wars delivers interviews, insights, and discussions about everything hitting the tabletop. In a world where life hits you from all sides, you deserve time to relax, disconnect, and unplug. Pool books, plastic models, dice, and cards in hand. Let the gaming begin. Tabletop games let you escape and unleash grand battles and regale epic tales of adventure with your friends. If you love gaming and learning from players, designers, experts, and creators, you are in the right place. Pull up a chair. Craig and Ray welcome you to the third floor and the Tabletop Talk Podcast. Howdy, friends. Craig here. Now, some of you may not be aware of it, um, and it was something that was relatively new to me, and it's this concept of a hack. Uh, so... I, you know, I learned about it as I came back to role playing and it's very, very interesting. And it's an idea of taking and this has been around forever, just wasn't really named anything. Uh, It was the idea of taking a system and taking parts of that system and putting new aspects on it. So it ultimately becomes another game. And one game that has several hacks, in fact, there's a term for it called Forge in the Dark, is John Harper's uh, Blades in the Dark, which everybody knows I'm a huge fan of. So I keep my eyes on uh, the different Forge in the Dark games that are out there. And this is the first time that I've ever had somebody who's made a Forge in the Dark game on the show. And that's because I backed their Kickstarter and I'm super excited to learn about this game. So today with us, we've got Sean and Navi Drake. So Navi, welcome to the third floor. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be here. So you guys are officially the second couple um, or partners that I've ever had on the show. The first were uh, uh, McGay and uh, Vincent Baker. Um, And... uh, I am going to ask you the same question I asked them, because normally you get the, uh, you know, how did you find gaming question from me? But I guess the first question is, did the Drakes find each other 
then find gaming or did the Drakes find gaming independently then found each other or was one? How, how did this play out? So t- take me through the timeline, Navi. Uh, we, we've been together a long time, but not that long. So um, I started gaming when I was about, I want to say 12, maybe a little bit younger because, you know, Nintendo had already come out when I was a kid. So at six, I'm playing Mario. But my first RPG, I was 12 because that's when Zelda came came out. Right. So nice. Uh, I've been gaming for a while, but we got together also because of a shared love of storytelling. We um, met in one of those kind of play by post things. Very and, cool. Yeah. So gaming is actually a big part of our history, um, not just individually, but together. So, uh, Sean, welcome to the third floor. So that means that you were gaming before you met Navi as well? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, 12 years I, old? Or did she beat you? Lord. Um, <laughs> let's see. Let me carbon date myself. That was about 25 years ago that I uh, got invited into a kind of a smoky rec room on Lodge's Air Force Base. And there were like these wizards uh, kind of behind the table. And they're like, I mean, I, I was there with my, my best friend in, you know, fifth grade and he's like hey my my dad and his buddies they run this game and it was dungeons and dragons oh, cool it was first edition dungeons and dragons and um yeah from there it was just finding any kind of game i could kind of sink my teeth into and yeah i'm at i'm at the love of my life in a play-by-post forum so so i have never done play-by-post so i mean i understand the concept of it um you have somebody who quote-unquote runs the game and then instead of sitting around a table um you just communicate not live with voice but just kind of say this is what my character is going to do this is what you kind of see yeah uh, just like you would especially with these narrative games like the forge of dark games and blades in the dark um it's even more in that vein of everything um, is explained what, what are you doing you're really acting in character so um it was like that before big narrative games really had come out so you explain everything in detail and then there's still some dice rolls to keep things random but um, it was nice because you could like get that little text out real quick um in between your classes or something Got so you, you didn't have to dedicate a huge chunk of time so you could just play on and off for you know ever most of the ones that we were playing in didn't even have like a facilitator or anything. It was uh, purely collaborative fiction. No kidding, really. So without someone actually running the game? Yeah, everybody was responsible for bringing their own plots. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. All right. So now I need to figure this out because this is the question my wife and I get all the time. And and it's a contentious question. Um, And that is, did Sean go, I like, I like want to play just more than play by post with Navi, so or did Navi go? I kind of want to do more than just play by post. Did you guys figure it out together at once? You're like, hmm, this might be more than just uh, I'm going to play an elf and she, he's going to play a wizard. <laughs> Are we that transparent? Like, <laughs> um, you know, I I was interested in her from pretty much the word go, but I always just thought that she was just a random voice on the internet or uh, yeah. a bunch of text on a screen, and uh, she had already like found me and like knew <laughs> everything about me and I was yeah, reading so, your mail exactly yeah she was basically like looking into my through my bedroom window uh, oh that's funny so. <laughs> yeah, so yeah my elf is gonna go my elf is gonna go into the dungeon yeah but don't wear that sweater you look terrible in that sweater what the hell <laughs> That's phenomenal. Oh, that's great. Uh, that's that's so, the things that true love is made of right here. I agree. I agree. So the two of you um, become the Drakes. And um, I assume gaming continues um, through the courting and the the merger. Yeah, 
when uh, when I first moved in with him, it was, it was funny. I had already played uh, Dungeons and Dragons previously, but I don't think that he was aware. So when I show up on his doorstep, he's like, so I do this kind of weird thing where um, on Saturday nights I get together with my friends. And uh, for a moment there, I'm like, oh, it's, you know, beer and pretzels and poker. I can play poker. But then he's like, so we played Dungeons and Dragons. I was like, okay, I'm in. I'm making a character right now. <laughs> I got a druid. I can do this. <laughs> oh, that's great. So well, the first date was playing D and D. Yeah, kind of. Like, I mean, that's we, uh, that's amazing. That's amazing. You guys were destined to yeah, be where you are right now. The that's stars, amazing. the stars all aligned. So, um, when did just being a player or being a GM? When was that not enough? When did either of you or together you start dabbling and saying, you know what? Let's change this. Let's change that. Um, when did the design become part of your play? Yeah, I've I've always been a GM. Um, I'm I'm one of those people who is just very comfortable behind the screen. My fourth ever Dungeons and Dragons game, like our the old wizard who um, who ran our game was sick, and I'm like I could probably run something, and they're like you're eleven, okay, well, let's see what you got. <laughs> uh, and very very shortly after there, I had gotten through all the books that were available on this tiny little island we were living on, and I had to come up with new stuff. So I've been designing you know, in, in the small kind of homebrewy ways that everybody who takes a seat behind the screen does. Sure. Um, pretty much from the word go. Um, but I never, never thought, never thought that it would be something big and, and then that I could show people and not be embarrassed about. <laughs> right. Well, I guess that's, I guess that's my question then is, you know, because yes, you know, pe players are designers, right? As our GMs, right? So we've all done that. Um, but I don't have a Kickstarter. Um, I don't, I have not, I've not put a game out there um, that is consistently retweeted by John Harper. So <laughs> at what point did it become like, I think somebody else might like what I see. And was that Court of Blades or was it something else? <sighs> I guess it was probably when we realized that um, what we were doing, like we were we were noodling on this game because we had we had somebody who was excited to play this type of game, um, and the moment that it became more than just okay, we're playing Blades in the Dark, but in this kind of more romantic and and Renaissance setting, uh, when we realized that there was a lot of real cool narrative juice and a lot of um, interesting innovations that kind of came along with the system, we're like, yeah. I think this is something else. That's yeah, it cool. Didn't, it didn't take very long before it went from a, a hack to realizing that it was no longer a hack because we had stripped out so much and replaced so much and then built so many new mechanics to support the story that if you picked it up right. as a hack just by itself, you'd have a very hard time um, getting it to correspond with the original game. So after that point, it was uh, took on a life of its own. It's really neat um, when I see that happening and, and I see it being done at different degrees. So we, you see sometimes where, you know, because I mean, you could argue that Blades in the Dark is a hack of Powered by the or by Apocalypse World. Right. But there's it, it's so different. Right. He, his journey was so long that even the dice don't work the same way. But the heart of it's still there. Um, and I've seen um, and I'm not going to we won't get into it, but I've seen some Forge in the Dark games where I was like, OK, you've kind of you've done a little too much for me right i like like what i love is not there and what you've added i don't really care about and you know and it's nothing that they're doing wrong right the whole idea is to make it your own 
That was not the case with you guys. Um, so what we're going to do is I'm going to take a quick break because I'm dying to hear how you navigated that and how this evolved. Um, so we're going to uh, take a quick break. We'll be right back. Keep in mind, the Insider Insights series is my opportunity to sit down with designers, developers, artists, writers, and creators and learn how they approach their work. I try to understand their process, inspiration, and methods for crafting their creation. So we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to find a, find where this quarter blades began. We'll be right back. Howdy friends, Craig here. You deserve a new playmat. Here on the third floor, we use mats by Mars. They are scratch resistant, waterproof, wet erase marker compatible, almost free of glare and lighter than neoprene. Mats by Mars gives you over 40 designs to choose from. You pick a mat, pick a design, and then you pick an overlay, like one for Marvel Crisis Protocol, Star Wars Legion, or even Malifaux 3rd Edition. Those overlays will really speed up your deployment and make the placement of objective markers so easy. Use our promotion code in the show notes to get a 10% discount on your first order. In the notes of your order, you can even request the third floor logo on your mat for free. That makes the best mat in the business even a little better. So get some new mats, save yourself some money, and help support the show. Go to matsbymars.com. All the details are in the show notes, including the discount code. So let's pretend that I've gone to uh, university and I'm taking uh, History of the Drakes um, and I need to you know, pull out the book and, and find out you know, when, when Court of Blades first began. So if we were to forensically go back and look for the seeds, the little tiny nuggets where, where you, I could go, yes, that's where it started. That's where it began. Where would I look? So it was almost two years ago now. We had a... Oh, wow. We had a girlfriend who's uh, loved to play tabletop games, but her girlfriend didn't like to play tabletop games, and there was just nothing that appealed to her. Um, so she had said, "You know, I want a game that's you know filled with romance and and reminds me of those um, kind of like political intrigues." And there aren't a whole lot of games like that. We just kind of no. had a moment where we're like, you know, we could probably make something work. So that's really where it um, started to take shape. Was really just from a friend requesting something going, I, I want cool. this thing that doesn't exist. And and did you guys know this was going like, what's the first play of this look like then? Do you say, you know what? Let, we, we love blades. Let's, let's try with blades or do you, okay. So it started with blades. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's been my favorite game since we picked it up. Um, yeah. I had played uh, Dungeons and Dragons for many, many, many years. And um, as soon as, he, you know, he first pitched Blades and it was my first experience with a game outside of Dungeons & Dragons. I'm like, wow. I'm not, I'm not going to like this. This isn't going to be, you know, this is not my style. And then, you know, session one, and I'm like, this is the best thing that's ever been made ever. <laughs> and, and since then, I've, I've played, you know, we've played um, a lot of games together. So we're, we're constantly yeah. picking up new systems. And Blades continues to be my favorite game of all time. So why is that, Navi? What is it that that I mean, especially for it to be almost your second game outside of D&D? &D, what was it that 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 made it set its hooks? 
It's the it's the strong narrative and the shared story amongst everyone. So you don't feel like the GM is just kind of taking you on a, a sightseeing tour. You actually get to shape the story, which brought me back to my um, roots of that shared storytelling um, through text. So right. it, it brought me back that way. And then the mechanics of um, you know brisky, desperate standard, like your position, uh, yep. and the things that kind of spin out from that, it feels much more um, organic. And when you fail a role in this system, it still pushes the story forward and it still yep. feels good. And that's really kind of unique and special because a lot of times when you fail a role in a game, it's like, well, I guess I'm waiting another hour for my turn. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Now, I would be curious, Sean, were you the same way? Were you just like, yeah, this is phenomenal or? So one of the things about, you know, I had I had a breadth of, of system knowledge before I uh, before I ever picked up Blades in the Dark. Oh but wow! When okay. I picked up Blades in the Dark, I immediately keyed in on on position and effect. It's my favorite mechanic of probably any game I've ever ever played, just because it's a negotiation. Um, there are tools to affect the narrative in that. Uh, really, what it comes down to is every time I run a new system for Navi, she um, she's like, "It's good," <laughs> but I wish you could we could have that conversation before the dice hit the table. Um, it took a second for me to grok to really, to really kind of get into the weeds and like figure out what these dials meant. Yep. But now that I, now that I have a little bit of system mastery with it, I can't, I can't go back. Yeah, it's interesting. For those listening that aren't familiar with Blades in the Dark, what we're talking about is something that I think is unique. I think the first time I've seen it put together the way that uh, Mr. Harper did is um, a position and effect. So if uh, I'm playing with the Drakes and uh, we decide, you know, something's happening and I say, all right, you know, Navi, um, we're going to need a We're going to need a roll for that to happen. So Navi says that she's going to pull her knife and she's going to stab the guy. Um, what one of the things that I say to Navi is I say, well, your position is either really strong or really weak. Right. So either she's in a really good place or a real desperate place. And then I explain that her effect, which is if she's successful, well, how successful will she be at this? That'll be either a great effect or limited effect. Um, and what's neat about it is Navi goes, oh, OK, well, what if I were to do this instead? <laughs> right? And I go, well, that would change this. That would change that. And that's the conversation that we're talking about. Um, and I got to be honest, I don't know if this was true for the two of you. That was the thing I skimmed over. Right. When I was first grokking the game and playing the first couple of things, I was like, OK, that's kind of neat. It's kind of interesting. But to your point, Sean, and where your love of it comes from, Navi, is like it. It becomes the biggest part of the game, I think, once you kind of get your arms around it. Yeah, it's fundamental. fundamental. Yeah, I agree. I completely agree. All right, so we decide we want to get our friend's girlfriend. We want to <coughs> play a game that, that that she likes. So the tone of Duskfall and Blades in the Dark is not quite what she's looking for. So what is, what is the first time she sits down? What does she play? So what she pitched to us um, was actually really funny. Uh, she wanted a game that was in the same tone as a side quest from Dragon's Age uh, Inquisition, where you go to Orlane and you're at the masked ball and you don't know who your friends are. You don't know, you know, who, what you can say, who you can be free around, uh, you know, just suspicion and you never know who's who. And she so wanted cool. that to be the game. Yeah. Um, Sign so, me up. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm, I'm looking at this game and I'm thinking, okay. Blaze in the Dark isn't quite there. What if, what if instead of 
you know, hard scrabble scoundrels, we're, you know, noble, noble courtiers, and we're just at these, these strange kind of, um, subterfuge laden events. Right. And we got to the table and it felt okay. Um, but it was missing a little bit of that kind of juice, right? They, it right. wasn't like, I'm pretty sure we had like six actions and most of them were just different ways to sway. Uh, there was a lot of lying going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm pretty sure we had like lie, prevaricate, like we <laughs> circumlocute, like, um, really, really lie. Yeah, exactly. Lie by omission. That's a different thing. That's um, fun. <laughs> so we, we eventually kind of nailed it down to, um, we can't be the nobles here because they have too much to lose. We can't get yeah. into hijinks without everything kind of falling apart. So we're like, what if we were, like to put it in kind of the Game of Thrones parlance, what if we weren't Jamie Lannister or Tyrion or anything like that? What if we were more like Braun? What if we were the right. um, the agents that were affecting these kind of broad and sweeping things? We were given this latitude, and that's uh, that's where we started drilling down, and we, we hit something something pretty magic. So that's interesting that you say that because I don't think I don't think it registered because it was one of the first questions I thought of because as I was reading. You know, starting to digest um, uh, the game as I was coming. I came across first. I think it was Twitter that turned me on to it at first. Um, I fully went into it expecting to play. Um, uh, oh, what's the movie with John Malkovich? Um, Dangerous Liaisons. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so I expected to play those characters, right? The Michelle Pfeiffer and, you know, so on and so forth. And I was like, oh, no, you don't. You play you play a couple rungs down. And that's interesting that it was a function of you have too much to lose, so it limits play. Does that sound accurate? It, it would definitely change the scope of play because you're much less likely to be doing something um, covert and dangerous yourself if you're if you're the whole family. Can you imagine a whole noble family sneaking out to commit an assassination or something that's you know, politically necessary? <laughs> so, Navi, when you went through the first iteration of this and, and played it as the nobles, did you were you in agreement with Sean that you were just like, yeah, this just this doesn't quite fit? And did you identify the same thing? We are usually on the same page. I think I might actually be um, the pickier one of the two of us, because when it comes to like things being wrong, I'm the first one to just go, no, not that. <laughs> this this is bad, and we need to fix this. Um, so that's me. And, I, and removing mechanics that I feel like are um, not lending themselves to, to, the, to the game correctly, I'm like, just take the whole mechanic out. And sometimes he gets a little frustrated with that. We have a graveyard of, uh, <laughs> of cool mechanics that I was really... Ex- like, I'm the mechanics goblin. Like, I, I collect bits and pieces and cast-offs and detritus from everything that I've ever played. And anytime yeah. something looks cool, I go back to my toolbox and I'm like, oh, I found this thing. And we put that in there. And she's like, that's stupid. Why are we doing this? But but how powerful is it for the two of you to have that? Right. So like I'm imagining it like it, you're, you're like two concentric circles, right, where there's not a complete overlap. So you're both bring, are able to bring something to the conversation. But there's a shared it sounds like there's a shared like outcome. Right. Like, like I, I get the sense you both knew what this was going to look like at the end, but you were coming at it and pulling and pushing the whole way. Does that sound right? That, that's that's incredibly accurate. Yeah, that's, that's about as <laughs> spot on as it gets. That's cool. That's cool. Um, so you then decide, okay, I, we're not going to play the nobles. We're going to take a couple runs down. Um, let's move forward a couple more iterations. So um, 
we're now halfway into the into development a little bit and i'd like to get a sense of when things started to click when you started going okay wait a second we're not changing it every week now we're it, we're starting to find our groove when do you feel like that happened and what happened before that those were fun days uh <laughs> where we show up to our weekly game god they were patient um you know oh yeah uh, we just we redid all your load um <laughs> all of your stress abilities are completely but i like that one well you know <laughs> Sorry. I could not do this. I would be like, you, you guys can go fuck yourself. Yeah. I'm not playing your game anymore. This is why they get thanks, like right up in the, the exactly. very beginning of the book. Front page. Uh, front page. Let's um, play fiasco. Screw this. Exactly. <laughs> it's just masochists all the way down. Um, but when That's we, great that you have them, though. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we hit the jackpot with these guys. The moment that it really started to click was when we realized that um, we had this big open city. Uh, we've got all of these intrigues and things going on, but the moment we really took um, a look at how to apply pressure, because uh, that's uh, one of the great things that Blades in the Dark does, yep. uh, everything is just a huge pressure cooker and you'll never have enough coin and somebody's always mad at you. You never have yep. enough downtime actions. Um, so you're just basically like riding these characters until the wheels fall off. Um, as soon as we establish the social season um you've only got three errands that you can go on every every social season before the advancement of all of the other plots in the city go on um having to make those choices uh we can we can go foil the assassination but we may not be able to negotiate peace between these two factions over here uh this person is calling for aid but we don't have time um do we hunt the monster that's you know walking through the arbor every midnight and and snacking on farmers or do we uh, do we go and you know attend this masquerade that, that we're expected at? Um, so that that layer of pressure. As soon as we got that yeah. social season, as soon as we started getting the the, um, the the social season mechanic nailed down and the the GM's turn, uh, that was when it started being Court of Blades. Very very cool. And I'm going to get into in the next segment where I want to really get into a, a lot of the really crunchy stuff here um, because I, like I said, this was the the first time I've wanted to have a force in the dark on the, on the show because it was the first time I was like every change I was like oh oh ooh I like this this is interesting <laughs> this, this is interesting um, so I want to grok that but now I've got to do um, a, a weird game with you real quick before we take our break I want to imagine you're both in isolation booths right um, so this is going to be like a weird dating game matching whatever it is um, so for the first person who's got headphones that can't hear the question even though she will is Navi so I want to ask you Sean now that the game is done right it's 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 as we as we are talking right now it is on kickstarter if you had to pick the biggest contribution that navi brought so if i were to open when i get my copy of court of blades where am i going to see the biggest navi fingerprint world building it's got to be world building um she writes an awful lot of like the the kind of spitballed ideas that really make ilrian sing um that's cool the 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 you know, factions and things like that. All, all the NPC names, like all of their descriptors. That's all Navi. Very, very nice. All right. So Navi, if I where am I going to see the biggest Sean fingerprint? Oh my goodness. It's, he is my mechanics goblin. If I need mechanics, I go to him and I tell him what I'm trying to make happen. This is, this is what I want to happen. And he looks at it and goes, Okay, I can figure this out. And then he usually comes up with some really good uh, mechanics for us to try and work out. And it's, it's really the, the best um, kind of match you can imagine. I, I just basically yeah. go, make this happen. And he does. <laughs> Tell me why it works this way. Okay. Well, 
what's cool about that too, too, though, is that you're all also the taste tester afterwards, right? So you also, it sounds like, have a sense for, I'm going to give this problem to Sean. Sean is going to bring me a solution. And I, I understand things well enough and have a sense of things from what I'm hearing that you can go, yeah, you're going to have to go back because this sucks. Um, or holy shit, you did it. This is great. So that's, that's very, very cool. And then, then for Sean to have somebody who can help put what is often neglected and not talked about and often to be the critical piece of it is what wraps around it. Um, because let's be, let's be honest. When we go through and talk about our favorite games. Uh, we don't talk about, you know, you throw six sided dice and 20 sided dice. We spend the first 20 minutes boring the shit out of people telling them about what the world is like. So that's cool. <laughs> so guys, let's take a quick break. When we get back from this break, I want to talk about um, where, where we still see blades in the dark um, in the game and where we uh, see something that's truly unique. We'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I am Eli, and I'm the spirit animal of the USFT. And um, my the person who claimed me was Craig Shipman. What is it worth to you to get this podcast on a weekly basis? Is it worth a dollar a month? Five dollars a month? Twenty dollars a month? If you'd like to help support the work that we're doing here on Third Floor Wars, please go buy our Patreon. We're at patreon.com slash thirdfloorwars. There you can pledge at any level, any dollar amount. Whatever you give us will help us put out quality content on a regular basis and hopefully make tabletop gaming a little bit better for you every week. Hey, it's time to welcome some of the newest floor heads to our Patreon. Big thanks goes out to Joe Root, Alan Cardinal, Raven Zato, Richard Beach, Philip Savoy, Patrick Allen, third, Sean P. Kelly, Jesse Ravicki, James Kahn, Rage Quit Wire, Doc Royal, Loy Centron, Robo Rotten, and Jacob Suderman. Because of you and the hundred plus other patrons, we're able to put out content on a weekly basis. Thank you. All right, so and this and unfortunately um this might end up being more of a sean sean segment and then we'll go to the navia segment after this so don't think i'm ignoring you navi in this conversation and don't be afraid to dominate the conversation sean if need be but um let's start maybe with the easiest thing which is if someone picks up the uh, quarter blades cold and flips through it and what how will they immediately know it's a forge in the dark game outside of the label when will they go oh yeah this is this is a type what, what's in common with blades sure um so it was important for us to keep it keep it um, accessible um 
keeping all the all the things that we love about Blades in the Dark, all the things that keep us coming back to Blades in the Dark. Right. Uh, so action rolls, uh, resistance, flashbacks, um, declaring you know load and gear in in uh, retrospect. Like, oh yeah, no, I totally brought that with me. Um, yeah. Big big focus on on factions. Uh, the stress economy is still there, uh, slightly modified. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to have a lot that's familiar to to anybody who's played a, a Forge in the Dark game. Um, but it's kind of the things that differentiate us are sort of folded into that and and kind of plugged into those wheels and gears and levers that run you know our favorite game. Yeah, and that's what I think I first noticed was is that it, that it you didn't I didn't feel like things were pasted on they were kind of layered in if that makes any sense which i thought was very very interesting um so navi in your mind what is what is probably the first thing where you you think you know this is this is where it's not blades um but but it's it's distinctly court um i think that it's the first in the tone uh the the tone really takes you out of anything that um i know of anyways that that forge and dark games are currently doing which is kind of a a lighter more emotional um you're you're you take scandals so you're worried about your reputation not necessarily being harmed physically so i think that's one of the the first thing that you're going to really feel the difference when you when you're looking through like like okay so these mechanics are very familiar but everything is shifted towards your reputation and emotions and things that are much more um personal than necessarily catching scars you might still be (laughs) you might still catch them um so how do you find that being backed up mechanically, right? So I understand the feel that you're talking about and, and that atmosphere. Is that strictly narrative? Is that something that we just play? Or is there some mechanics that, that build that and, and support that in your mind? There are um, a lot of mechanics. Some of them are like um, almost like reskins um, in a mm-hmm. way. So you have your, your scandals, for instance, or uh, there's no coin in the system. You, you're taken care of. There's no need for money. You're not hard scrabbling. So you're going to be collecting favor and acclaim. Oh, and nice. You're trying to build a reputation, and so when you go to, to negotiate with someone, it's not how much can I pay you, it's how much is my name worth right now, um, especially up against whoever you're going up against. So right. uh, that's where I think mechanically it starts to get kind of um, interesting. Yeah, our retainers don't acquire scan or don't acquire trauma um, in the course of their adventures. They acquire scandals. So uh, instead of getting you know progressively more kind of hard-bitten and cynical uh living down in the gutter it's your your social reputation that's like you're known now in all the best circles as faithless or grasping or wicked sentimental Uh, sentimental oh yes far too sentimental to live long in ilrian oh that's phenomenal so if i let's say that i have a couple scandals then um how is that going to impact play um, so we understand how traumas do. In a lot of ways, traumas are more narrative than anything. Um, and they're kind of like your 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 road to death. Um, how is that true or how does that uh, how is it the same or different with scandals? 
Oh, scandals are kind of fun because uh, with with your traumas, usually it's um, the onus is solely on you to sort of play up your your traumas, and you get you get rewarded for that. And yep. you you absolutely get to play up your scandals as well. But it's also something that the GM can play with because the GM right. can, you know, this this NPC is powerful NPC knows about this particular scandal, and it's going to become a big problem for your entire coterie for this errand. So it's it's more um, you can interface with it from both directions. Got it. So you mentioned load. Um, how is load the same as how, how is load different? Well, we, we took out um, a little bit of the granularity. Uh, instead of having um, light, medium, and heavy load, uh, we've only got two, um, two levels of load. We have discrete, where you are less than three pieces of kit. And then we've got uh, you know, loaded, where you are carrying um, six or, or more pieces of kit. Um, but the, the difference is that even if you look like a operative out on a mission in, in, in Blades in the Dark with four, four pieces of gear, that's way more than you would expect anybody like at a fancy dinner party to be sure. carrying. <laughs> sure. Um, and so it's, and this kind of gets into the flashback thing too. So, um, you know, when, when I sell, try to sell people to play Blades, um, so you just need to go buy it, I, I, I ne- inevitably you talk about Ocean's Eleven. I say, you know how in Ocean's Eleven that, you know, they always seem to have the right equipment with them and, you know, they, they're, they're stuck and then all of a sudden you see a flashback and that's how I explain those mechanics. I'd be curious how how that works in this world, right? So it seems when you're playing scoundrels and thieves and assassins, those mechanics make a ton of sense to me because of that framing. How does the framing work for, for court where those mechanics make sense? Well, in court of blades, you're playing, you're playing very canny retainers. These are, these are not your run of the mill kind of like hired henchmen that you throw a bag of money to and go, Oh, follow the girl. Uh, these are, these are very much like prized and, and all of the playbooks um, kind of, they, they play that up. Um, you're not just somebody holding a, a rancier and guarding the gate. You are the bravo. You are the champion nice. of the house. You're the hawk. You're a bounty hunter. You're, you know, the knack. You are the sorcerer, the house sorcerer. Um, and that's, that's kind of how, in the same way that a very, you know, knowledgeable scoundrel would know exactly what they need, these retainers are very much in the same way. And that's taken through into the load. It's not just the gear that they're carrying, but amongst those, you have your special permissions, uh, things that you can invoke in the midst of a, of a scene. Uh, like gear, you, you tick a box and you have a believable excuse. Or oh, you have so cool. you know, a small pricey gift. Or if you're the knack, a vulgar display of power. And that, and that allows you to immediately, by taking that load, allows you to immediately take over for exactly. half a second and dictate dictate what's happening yeah, in the world you you have the uh you have the the controls at that point um yep you know a lot of people they'll be in a desperate situation but they're like oh i have this vulgar display of power what does that do and then i'm like well you're the knack you tell me how you're getting out of this with that vulgar display of power oh that's cool that's cool now navi one of the things that you kind of hinted at is how much you enjoy you know the the classic uh, apocalypse fall, you know, failing forward and, um, you know, succeeding with consequences. Um, how do consequences work, uh, in your game versus blades? 
So the consequences are similar. Um, the, the way you, you receive consequences is very similar, but once again, it has that extra layer of um, the social on it. So a consequence normally, like if you were playing Blades, the consequences, um, oh, you just got stabbed. So you take level two harm. You just, just stabbed. Yeah, you just stabbed. It's fine. Uh, but in, in court, you may take a level two harm. Uh, you've been embarrassed. You've been publicly humiliated by this rival, and that is Still going to affect it's going to you're going to lose dice when you go to roll your social rolls because right. um, you're humiliated you're trying to regain your footing so you're going to take those kind of social harms um, and we have uh, social harms that uh, function like fatal harm if you are uh, excommunicated then that's the <laughs> end of your character yeah dismissed from service dismissed from service oh that's, that's great yeah so um I found found the Drakes uh, with this game and um. You know, started following them on Twitter and uh, started getting super excited about the game, uh, backed it immediately. Um, but just recently was poking around and found that you guys have produced on your itch uh, Blades in the Dark scores, um, which don't take this the wrong way. I was super skeptical about I'm like <laughs> that. Like, no, this is I don't, I'm not going to buy a module for <laughs> for um, Blades in the Dark. And uh, I think I paid like something stupid, like 12 bucks total for both of them. It's they're stupid, ridiculous, cheap. There's pay, pay what you want. Um, so like for those listening, like it's like stupid, stupid value. How, how, how much you get here. Here's what's cool um, is they didn't do what I they didn't do what I was hoping they didn't do, which is to completely say, you know, then this happened then this and that you guys did a wonderful job of keeping the flavor of the game and setting up frameworks and giving me a bunch of choices. Um, so before we turn and uh, talk about the world of court, I do want to talk about this and know where did this come from? And when did you guys decide, hey, you know, let's let's put these out? Yeah, Um this came as a direct result of uh, joining the Hacked in the Dark community. Uh, it's a it's a Blaze in the Dark community Discord that we were active in. They were putting together a um, a charity zine, just full of cool uh, extra um, you know setting information and and uh, I think we had like a cocktail menu in there. We had holidays and things like that. And they're like, could you maybe do like I don't know like a like a score. Well, it kind of flies in the face of everything that yeah. Blades in the Dark is for. It's supposed to be one of these kind of, well, what are we, what are we doing tonight, guys? And how do we make that happen? But we had seen um, Sean Nittner, because Sean Nittner had done a couple when uh, Blades was a little bit younger that are, are very similar in style. Actually, the, the formatting is almost identical. I was basically like, thank you for the formatting. I don't have to worry about that now. Um, so Sean uh, Nittner's fantastic. He did he did a couple. Um, one was like a, re a revolution, I riot, think. Yeah. A riot, a riot, that's right. Um, so that was really kind of a, a blueprint for making really cool scores. And I ran, I ran the uh, the Dust Bowl riots um, mm -hmm. a couple of times, just as little one shots uh, to kind of palate cleanse or to introduce people to the game. Um, and I'm like, we could we could do one of these. So we did one. We did Night at the Opera, which is nice. uh, at the Arms of the Weeping Lady, the old um, broken down uh, opera house. And yep. we had a lot of fun with it. And I'm like, man, I want to do fifty of these. And then you know how Twitter is. If you say you're yeah. going to do 50 of them, then uh, people start asking questions like, when's the next one coming out? So we've got 20 of them done right now. We're planning on doing um, 30 more. Uh, That's five for each um, crew type. 
very very cool yeah they're great they're great so for those of you that play blades just go buy them um uh we're releasing this this is going to be out uh on the 13th um which means that this evening in the future for us um i'll be doing a blades in the dark with the uh hosts of gaming and bs with sean and brett from gaming and bs and i was this is the first time they've played blades um and they're and it's very much a one shot um and it's being driven by the fact that uh, neither of them have played the game before, and I keep telling them, like, guys, you're going to like this game. This is good. Um, it also has to do with Brett as a scorned lover of John Harper because he was one of the people that was mad about the Kickstarter. And uh, he got he when he got his book, he immediately sold it and was like, screw this. I don't want to play it. And I'm like, Brett, I'm telling you, like, you're missing out here. So I finally talked those two idiots into coming on my live stream <laughs> and I'm going to run Blades. But I was trying to think, like, I, I don't want it, like, I don't want to run it like I do with people that are more experienced with it. Right. So and I was like, all right, you know, and then I saw this and I'm like, I'll grab this and see if I get some ideas. So we are going to be tonight in the future. Uh, tonight, we're going to be running. Uh, I think I'm going to do the um, the oof. Uh, oh yeah, yeah because they're, they're, they're they are assassins so it's, it's perfect and um i'm not quite sure how i'm gonna frame it i'm not quite, quite sure where i'm gonna put it yet but i started i was like oh this is good this is good <laughs> some, so uh for those of you that um are dumb enough and listen to this when it, when it first comes out um and it's still the 13th uh make sure you watch it tonight and you guys can see uh, me <laughs> massacre their good work <laughs> there you go <laughs> um, uh, but the part that I'm really excited about is to talk about this world. So let's take a quick break and we get back from this break. I want to learn where this world came from and what this world is. We'll be right back. Howdy friends, Craig here. Nothing makes Malifaux easier than having the right tools. Here at the third floor, we love all the licensed Malifaux goodies from Custom Meeple. Not only are they helping support this podcast, they sell custom-made weird licensed tokens and terrain. They sell it all. Crew boxes, terrain, markers, tokens, and even a 3x3 full Malifaux board. Custom Meeple sells a complete M3E token set covering every marker and token you need to play. Custom Meeple are the source for the official accessories for Malifaux. Everything is designed by hand and authorized by Weird Games. Check them out at custommeeple.com, that's with one M, or follow the link in the show notes. Up your Malifaux game and be sure to tell them Craig from the third floor sent you. If you use the promo code third floor friend, all one word, T H I R D F L O O R F R I E N D, you'll get a 5% discount and help support the podcast. It's valid on everything except retail products and playmats. So, we, you know, earlier we kind of understood um, where the beginnings of the game came from. Um, and. It sounds like the feel predated the world, which is not uncommon, right? But it also sounds like where things started to click is when the world became real. So, Navi, when did when did the world start to form? Oh my goodness, that is that is a question. I I really <laughs> I don't think I could I could point to a a, a moment where I was like, yes, that that's when. Um, I remember that we, you know, I had the broad strokes. I'm like, all right, this is this is sort of what it looks like. And then I just sort of started filling in. When we first started playing, we didn't really even have factions. So like, right. I, I'd show up every week with surprise, guys. I made you some factions. <laughs> so it was it was a slow development, um, just kind of adding and layering things on once we knew how we wanted the world to kind of feel and function. Um, it, just knowing that we wanted to stay very romantic and Renaissance and uh, a little bit. Um, 
a little bit swashbuckly, you know, like we wanted yeah. to capture that Three Musketeers feel. So that was just staying in that pocket the entire time is kind of how I handled it. But I don't, I really don't think I can point to a moment where I, I where Ilrian kind of became a, um, a living thing for me. There you go. go I can. <laughs> um, I was actually, I was planning on running a, a Thieves Guild um, Dungeons and Dragons game way back in the way back. Uh, and I pitched this this setting that I was tinkering around on a novel with um, that was kind of inspired by um, Wheel of Time. There's a there's a city where the great game of houses is played, and I'm like, that would be a really cool place. And it's kind of inspired by Lies of Loch Lamora, as as you know, it turns out Blades in the Dark was. Um, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be really cool. And it never happened, so I just kind of shelved it. And I had the book like half written, and I'm like, this is this is fine. Um, and I remember Navi was asking, uh, I need I need six vaguely Italian families. <laughs> I'm like, I, just, I just happen to have six vaguely Italian family names. You meant to have 12, but you're only halfway there, right? So luckily yeah, exactly. you had six. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I just polished those off and I'm like, hey, that's, will that work? And she's like, this is perfect. And then she went and she, you know, skittered off to... Uh, you know her writing writing corner and and punched out lore and and things for those and we brought them to our table and people were like this is really cool it's really well thought out I'm like really <laughs> <laughs> no one's gonna I didn't I didn't want to finish my crappy book so I'm glad this worked <laughs> that's phenomenal <laughs> that's great so so Navi you know obviously and this is true always is true um you know uh, Duskfall is not original right it was based on ideas based on feels and looks and it sounds like Court of Blades is as well as far as the world that we play this game in but at some point it becomes its own thing, right? And I'd be curious to know, what do you think maybe that was? So if we can't go back to the genesis of it, let's start when it stopped being you going, give me something vaguely Italian, where it started becoming, this is a world, and instead of me, um, and I hear writers talk about this all the time, where they, they stop talking, they start listening, right? When the world starts telling them what, what this place is, when do you feel like that happened? Uh, I think once the broad strokes were down and I started to feel like I was in my element where I could just be kind of creative and have fun with it, because I think I approach things a little bit like, um, I mean, I don't, I'm not comparing myself to this person because they're a master, but I approach things like a little bit like Terry Pratchett, where I want a little bit of whimsy and fun to yep. start appearing. So even in this super serious setting, you're going to discover that we have a faction, Soraya, who is a witch who lives under the bridge with her army of cats. And so you're going to find these kind of interesting things that are kind of laced in there. And whether or not people want to interface with the goofier parts or not, but they, they're there. My favorite holiday in, in Ilrian is is the um, the holiday of eels, where everybody celebrates the eels, you know, going to their spawning place. And we have these this ridiculous law that everybody can catch as many eels as they can, as long as they do it with their hands. That's a rule. But if you're caught using nets or cheating in any way, you are publicly whipped through the streets with eels so <laughs> it's just a lot of fun stuff kind of starts sneaking yeah. in there and i think that's when it starts to become um less a, a dramatic historic um, romantic piece and a little bit more uh, me so i'd be curious um there's a lot of flexibility in forged games um you know if i want to play a strict criminal thieving game of blades we can if i want to spooky 
creepy game of blades we can do it in in your mind um navi what what is the range there so it sounds like there's some whimsy in there but it, it if i ran it for three different groups mm-hmm. what are three different things that i might see uh, so you can play a very highly political game. You, you can play that, uh, that game of scheming nobles and backbiting and all you want to do is host balls and undermine uh, everyone else. And uh, we have a house that's perfectly geared towards that, the, the Lavelles. That's their, that's their um, hat, so to speak. Uh, but if you wanted to play, uh, let's say, something a little bit more like Robin Hood, where you want to uh, be maybe not the best terms with all of the other noble houses but the people like you and you're doing good for them uh, that's house bastien like that's your this is shoe in so if you want to play a game like that and and each house kind of has its own strong flavor like that i think that um Vitalia lends itself very well to playing like the musketeers and if you want to play something a little bit more blades in the dark like let's say you love blades in the dark and you want to capture that feeling um house corbetto is kind of our house of uh, we call them the majestic tyrants like they're our house of uh, um, well, obviously majesty, but also like seduction and the arcane. And like, they have a lot of really cool skills that lend themselves towards um, doing things late at night. They get bonuses if they're out after, the, you know, between the hours of Trist and Wiss, so like midnight and four in the morning. That's where they get their bonus. So if you want to play a little bit more Blades in the Dark in Ilrian, you can grab House Corvetto. So it has that big, big range. And if and table culture is so important, yeah. in the, it's, it's, especially in this game, because it really is the difference between do you want to have a very so social game or you know what i want to play something that's a little bit more grittier and i want to play in the streets and i do want to have that more um dark experience and we do make room for that it actually is supported um even mechanically so just choose you know the house that gives you those bonuses and you're shooting so every time i play any game um but especially blades or other powered by the apocalypse games every time i run it it changes how i run it going forward it changes how i do it so i'd be interested for either of you um can you look to some maybe one or two instances where the play testers your players change the game oh gosh a lot yeah yeah that's um every time we took it to the table we found uh a, di- a different friction point a different thing that sang mm-hmm. um so our first play test was very much in the pocket of, um, uh, of, of you know, these, these scheming nobles. Uh, and it kind of went around and around and around, and it didn't, didn't go anywhere fast. But when we refined a couple more times, we ended up being more into blade, Blades in the Dark. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that every time we iterated, um, we ended up... I hesitate to use the word fixing, but at least uh, refining yeah. uh, exactly what our game was about. Um, that's how the, the the big GM turn where the other houses make their moves came about. That's where intrigues came about. That's where the paramour system came from. Uh, that is that is where a lot of our a lot of our advances, uh, like our advanced moves that you get uh, as you level up came from, because there's, oh, we, we need some way to do this, or we need a faction that we can do this with. Right. Um, 
Yeah. So. Quarter Blades would absolutely not be what it is if it wasn't for our amazing playtesters who Patient. like, patiently just like were willing to keep playing through iteration after iteration. And so much of it is just listening to them play and then uh, they, you know, they don't know I'm doing it, but I'm over here making notes because I can tell when they're really excited about something. Okay, right. we need to lean into this. Yeah. Uh, so playtesters really kind of guided our path. They really let us know what they wanted out of a game of, of social intrigue. And they let us know if they felt like a game was going too much into blades territory yep yep because uh, you you didn't you didn't want to make blades 2.0 right you you, no, and, I, <laughs> and you, no. had a, you had a very distinct feel right which is mm -hmm. which is not blades in the dark um mm -hmm. the, the world that you have created um is not that um uh, and I think that's wonderful. So one of the things that I have um, now that I've interviewed a lot of different people that are that are designers, one of the things that I hear often, not every time, is I hear often there was a big change that tends to be one of the last things that happen. And the story as the story goes that I've heard, um, and like I said, not everyone has told me this is how it worked, but I've heard it enough that I'm going to throw it at you is, you know, we're, they, we're going in and like last minute we said, you know what, let's just throw this out or let's just throw this in. And it, and it, and it was like, Oh my God, like, like it all clicks now, like it all came together and there was, there was an itch that they couldn't scratch and they made this last change. Did that happen to you guys with this game? It was intrigue. Yeah. It so explain to me Intrigue. Okay, so Intrigue, um, in Blades in the Dark, you have the ability to establish a long-term clock where you are, you know, pursuing an objective. It could be crafting something or, or discovering an ancient ritual or really anything that kind of doesn't fit with the established rules of the game. Uh, intrigues are basically that, but they are... They're risky. Because um, what they're doing is... So... To explain this, I'm going to have to explain a different system, and I'm I'm apologizing because you're going to have to come with me. We're here, here with that. Okay. Um, so if it's GM boring, turn. Shane, I'll just I'll just edit yeah, it all. Yeah, exactly. yeah. You don't have to worry about that. Easy day. <laughs> oh, I, lo I love pre-recorded format. This is great. <laughs> no, go ahead. So let's talk um, about the other system that leads okay, us to the so, there. So the GM turn is where uh, you kind of set up Ilrian. Um, you have basically almost like artificial intelligence houses. You've got roll charts to, uh, define what their objectives are. Uh, every social season, they roll some dice and you see how the city changes. Nice. Um, so you've got a long-term clock or a long-term, uh, a downtime, downtime action that you can use to discover what they're doing and get in the way of it. You can, you know, go on errands to, you know, Corbetto is trying to, uh, negotiate a trade deal in, with these people and we're going to go and torpedo that so they can't make any progress, get more powerful. Right. Uh, intrigues are where you do this proactively. Mm. Um, so if there's a portion of the city that you're trying to take control of, if there's uh, a certain rival who is getting in the way, uh, if you are looking to you know, expand your territory and, and take assets and things like that, do, do this Grand skullduggery. Um, you have a conversation, much like much like talking through a ritual with your GM. You have a, a question and answer phase where you right. are defining what you're trying to do, what you're risking by doing it, how long it's going to take, whose help you need, what happens if you're discovered, and uh, what collateral damage may result. So cool. Um, so with this back and forth between between GM and player, uh, you establish two racing clocks. Oh, so okay. You are trying to you're trying to fill your clock before you are discovered. Every time you do one of these intrigue downtime actions, 
you're ticking your clock, but you're not always in a controlled position. It's not just a fortune roll. These are uh, actions that are taken in the fiction that you are opening yourself up to consequences. And as these tick up, it could be that the worst happens, you're discovered, you lose favor and face. Um, overall, it could be really bad for you. Or you might enact these grand sweeping narrative changes in Ilrian uh, in a very, you know, prescriptive and descriptive way. So the, the one, the last question before we move on is, and this is something I wasn't able to figure out. So as one of my top questions I wanted to ask you. So instead of crews, we have houses, right? And then factions are houses as well. And we, and we play as for a house. In play, how often do the higher ups in the house come into play? So if I, if I, if, you know, me and my buddies um, are running a game and we're playing as these, you know, high, high end operatives for a house, how often in your experience has other members higher up in the house come into play? I think it, a lot of it has to do with the desires of the players because we've had some groups where they really didn't have that much interest. So they'd, they would get their dossier from their, you know, kind of handler and they would go about their business and they, they had very little interaction with the house and they, they liked it that way. Um, but we've also had uh, players who are like, no, I, we want to be very involved in the house. So we spend a lot more time fleshing out those NPCs. So it's a little, um, it's a little personal to each table. Yeah. But every every contact list, everyone has a member of the house. So you do have a job to flesh out at least one member of the house and make sure that there is someone over you that you Got are it. invested in and interested in. Got it. And Got it. Okay. There's a stretch goal that's on the table right now as well. Um, <laughs> If we, we manage to hit our pie-in-the-sky number, we're going to be uh, adding on uh, Court of Thrones, which is where you are uh, playing, between these social seasons, the, um, the movers and shakers in the house. So we would like... We're going to do that one way or the other. It's just whether or not it's shipped <laughs> Whether with it's not now or later. And, right. and from what I read about that when I was reading about the stretch cold, that's when you're going to get into kind of the, the secondary minigame like we saw in Band of Blaze. Does that sound accurate? Yes. Yep. Yes. Okay. That, that's really cool. That's really cool. <laughs> I'm really excited about it. <laughs> so um, that's actually a perfect transition because what I want to talk about after this break is I want to talk about kind of the business and the logistics of actually creating a game and uh, putting it out there. And if you haven't picked up on it, they've got a kick starter going right now and we'll find out how that happened we'll be right back there are so many online retailers it can be hard to find one that is trustworthy has great prices along with some reliable customer service on the third floor we love ordering our gaming goodies from gadzooks game their selection of terrain Miniatures, dice, custom decor, and conversion bits are curated for gamers by gamers. You'll find they have what you need and what you didn't know you needed to take your gaming fun to the next level. If you mention Third Floor Wars in the cart notes of your order, you'll also get a free gift and you'll help support the podcast. Check out gadzooksgaming.com and mention Third Floor Wars on checkout to get that free gift. Mm -hmm. 
like I said, I found found them originally um, on Twitter before the Kickstarter came out. Um, you guys are very clever, kind of throwing out a little bit of tidbits of what this game is. And I was like, OK, this is interesting. This is interesting. Um, and the, every time I read it, I was like nodding my head. And then the Kickstarter drops. And I think it was four minutes later, I went and backed it. Right. Um, and uh, it, it, it definitely sold me. It's the first Forge in the Dark game that I've backed. Um which is um it's not the first one that i've seen <laughs> and i'm not saying and it sounds like i'm bashing other forge of the dark games there's some really really good ones out there the scum and villainy one is really really good um uh the uh i just was said it now it's left me the uh the band of blades yeah it's phenomenal um but they just weren't different enough for me um whereas this this had its own feel so you guys have a game You've made the decision, you know, this this needs to get out to more people. Um, Will it when did you go Kickstarter versus itch versus, you know, when did you guys make that choice? Um, you handle it. <laughs> that's that's actually a really a tough question, because I'm not I don't really even know where we decided to to uh, kind of make that choice as the as the. A project got larger and larger and kind of took on a life of its own. We knew that we had just at some point we're like we have an entire book on our hands. Like yeah. this is, um, we I, th I think that uh, I'm a bad bad person. I for I neglected to put the uh, approximate page count on the on the Kickstarter, but um, this is a 350 page wow. beast before art. Yeah, before art. Wow. So it's it has a lot going because you know turning um, the GM's turn into the AI and all of that was it takes it takes a little doing and a lot of charts. Sure. Um, so th there's some good stuff in there. We we don't we promise we don't overcomplicate it too much, but it's got a lot going on. <laughs> um, but yeah, so at some point we're like we have an entire um, book on our hands, and what are we going to do with this thing? Um, should you know we had kicked around ideas, should we release it? And I think that we had decided we would be doing it sort of an injustice to not um, see it through and have it, you know, edited by a professional editor that really knows what they're doing. Yep. Um, God bless and, you for doing that, by the way. <laughs> right. And, and that's if we had just thrown it on ish, it would have just been like our, you know, yep. project that that's pretty good, but it won't, it won't be the thing that we're hoping it to be once it goes through that beautiful editing phase. So, um, and then of course, you know, you start looking at the cost for editing and we're like, all right, look, <laughs> That's that's a lot of money, so we're gonna yeah. have to figure something out. <laughs> I think that's probably where the Kickstarter was born. It really is. Uh, it really truly is a crowdfunded project. Like people are have told us that they want it, and they're yeah. making it happen. It would not exist without you guys. Well, and, and you you call out something that's really important, um, which is everybody th sees something like this, especially with an RPG, and goes, "Oh, that's just printing costs." That's what those are. It's like, no, there's <laughs> try unless unless the unless the drinks are drawing those pictures, then they're going to have to hire somebody. Unless they're going to edit them, and thank God you're not editing your own book, you're hiring somebody who knows how to do it to do it. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's st that stuff is expensive. Um, <laughs> so I guess now, where does the accounting? part come when do you sit down and you say okay you know here's our cost this is this is mm -hmm. what we want it to look like and how do you back into that and and figure out um you know how much what's your what's your gonna, initial goal is going to be um so it was a lot of legwork um and i'm so glad that we have a really great twitter um group like the twitter community around the ttrpg scene is so supportive and so amazing yep. anytime i have a question of any kind i just put it out there and i the feedback that i get from everybody is amazing so a lot of it was just kind of you know 
beating the pavement like you guys uh, i need help with this and they'll they give me like a list of artists and i, and I awesome. spend a week looking through artists and reaching out and saying hey this is my project um you know what what are your typical fees and things like that? And so I actually went to everybody individually that I was interested in working with. And again, amazing community because these these artists and editors and whatnot, like they're like, oh, you might get funding. They know they never treated me that way at all. They were like, oh, that's amazing. Like I totally would work with you. Here's here's what it's going to cost. And they, so they gave me the recipe that I needed to Perfect. figure out how yep. much this project was going to run. She's always been our number cruncher. We we have a uh, we have a home business as well, and she's my accountant. Like. <laughs> That's, you know, I would not have guessed that because of what, how we talked about how you guys split up the game design piece of it. So you figure out, okay, we're going to do this Kickstarter. We've got an idea of our costs. Um, so in order for us to be able to pull the trigger on this, this is, this is the levels it's going to be. Um, how do you come up with tiers? How do you figure out pledge levels and things and, and go through that process? Um, I think part of it was we wanted to stay within line with the other um, games in the system not just because it would be again a disservice to the entire community if we started dropping prices and lowballing everyone because yep. uh, this might be our first project and um you know we're just kind of, we're kind of green but um other people this is their bread and butter and yep. if we go in and we're just destroying the pricing on that's not okay uh, but we also again because this community is so great we also do have that that um i guess sometimes that to call it the hardship tier we call it the tier with an assist so you can grab the pdf at half cost if you and it's on our system if you, if you feel like you're having financial struggles go ahead and grab it and everybody's everybody's happy but um so we started with just looking and seeing where uh, the lines currently were and we kind of tried to stay in that same pocket and uh, the reason why i <laughs> the reason why we're at 35 dollars for the hardcover even though we're this giant you know band of blade size monsters because oh, yeah. we, we do plan to have the final retail price be in line uh, with that like you'd expect so it will be $40 upon release but right now for Kickstarter um, this is really about getting a good price to people for believing in the project uh, and that price will go up and fall into line with the other ones but that's that's really how we did it we made sure that we weren't uh, hurting anyone else with our pricing I am amazed I, I feel like us role players um are, are are like abused children in some ways because like think about for 40 bucks let alone 35 bucks what you're getting and like i'm amazed because i came from miniatures right so i played miniature games where like i'll, I'll pay 35 40 dollars right for a model right um <laughs> one. Yeah, it, right one freaking model um and it, it, the, the amount of value we get and and it's um in some ways it's a shame a little bit and i'm not saying that i you know i, I hope role-playing games get more expensive um but i think they could um and mm -hmm. i think it's great that you guys had a, an awareness of that on the high end, obviously, it's much easier, which is you don't want to price yourself out. But I love sure. the fact that you said, you know what, we're going to put a floor on this, too. Um, and that is that I think that's very supportive of the community itself, which I really like. Um, so you guys were in the midst of the Kickstarter um, real quick because I didn't look this morning. Where are we right now? Ooh, last time we were looked, we were sneaking up on thirty five thousand and even more amazing than that, over a thousand backers. I cannot so cool. believe it. <laughs> One thousand five at last yep. check. And we've got um, what date? And what day do we close? 
We close on the 21st of May. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we've got a good week or so since this is coming out um, for people to go to, to look at that. Um, and you go through, uh, you know, you get your search at the beginning. Um, you guys are kind of in the wallows right now um, where, you know, you're going to grow and grow. And then usually, you know, you see the, the spurt at the end. Um, you guys have said this on Twitter, but people listening to, to us right now, man, I know this. You guys didn't expect this. No. <laughs> our, our goal was our goal was to cover editing costs, and yeah. art was really going to be a bonus. So yeah. um, we were like seventy five hundred dollars. Fingers crossed. Maybe people really want to see this edited, and then it just grew so much larger than we could have expected. How how soon after dropping the Kickstarter did you suddenly go? Oh, geez, like this is going to be wow. Yeah, I, I woke up that morning. Um, <laughs> And I, I rolled over and I checked Twitter because uh, I knew it was it was the day. And I saw that somebody had had um, had tweeted uh, waiting for Navi and Drake to wake up and push the go button. And then John Harper right under it. Same. I'm like, OK, I better get up. So I got up and I, I, got I, pushed, yeah, right? <laughs> I, uh, I pushed the button and I went to go, you know, change tabs to go back to Twitter. But before I could, we were at 500. Isn't that amazing? I had, I had no idea what to do with myself. Yeah. Um, but I think that first hour, I uh, I got my my cup of coffee. I uh, I had to go run an errand with my father-in-law, and um, while I was out, I I just checked it, and I'm like, we might actually like hit half our goal today. And I was I was still asleep at this time, so I'm not. A, first of all, I'm not a morning person, and he, so I. I, even for my favorite people in the world, there was no alarm set. Like I, I was sleeping and uh, he wakes me up and he's like, so we're at, you know, we're halfway funded. I'm like, where, what time is it? Where am I? <laughs> like, we were halfway to goal and I was just getting out of bed. Amazing, I had to like rush it? and like try and get my tweets out. It was great. <laughs> so what do you think it is? So now that you guys are fully funded and stuff like that, um, like I said, I found you via Twitter. So the, the, the Twitter game, whether it was, um, whether it was calculated or not, your Twitter game was excellent because um, you guys were very generous about it. You guys were teasing a little bit about it. You kind of leaked things out a little bit. So, I mean, I I, I drank your Kool-Aid. You did a good job with that. <laughs> and like I said, I don't know how calculated it was, but it worked. It is delicious. What do you, th- why? Why do you think this, um, you've had such a, a big success right out of the gate um, and we're not even done yet. Have you had a chance um, to, to look back yet and start to, figure out what may have happened? I th- well, I think the biggest feedback that we've gotten that's, that's made us just so ecstatic is, uh, I, I think you've touched on it yourself a little bit earlier, so many people haven't seen a game in this style for this system. This it, this brings you out of the, the grim dark that the system likes to cling to. Yep. And a lot of, and, and of course, everybody who's into um, historical drama and whatnot, you wouldn't believe how many people have reached out to me like, oh, they are home for my fops. They're so excited about the idea of being able to put on their power Powdered wigs, and that to me is amazing. Yeah, Joy. yeah, but you know, it's, but you think about it though. Like Bridgerton is real big right now, so I thought maybe mm-hmm. that you know I could see where that has has hit um, board. But yeah, but that's what it was for me. Was the, the the uniqueness of the setting is what got my got my interest. And then as I started grokking some of the mechanics as, and reading that, I was like, oh, this is this is good. This is uh, interesting. What um what kind of advice did you guys get about Kickstarter from other people in the community? We reached out to a lot of people, um, mostly for like sanity checks. Like, yeah. are we, 
are we crazy here? Like, do we, do you think that this is well put together? Like, should I, should I not do the funny accent? Like, what do you, what do you think here? Um, and, and just getting people to, to look it over, um, again, just sort of like how we, how we did for playtesting. We got a lot of really positive feedback. Like this looks way more professional than, than your first Kickstarter. Uh, you look like you've got a real, you know, uh, tight theme. You're delivering a good hook. Like this is this is something that I want on my shelf. And we're like, okay, what kind of feedback? More tears. Okay, uh, what what kind of stuff do you want on those tears? Play the game with me. Oh, uh, okay, uh, I can do that. So we got a lot of a lot of that kind of like that kind of feedback where where it kind of drove how we um, how we how we set up our, our backer tiers and how we yep. set up our stretch goals. So that was really helpful for us. Yep. What cautionary tales have you been told? Things that you're watching out for? Ooh. Uh, so I actually, one of my friend, my, my Twitter friends, um, I guess follow friend, whatever you call them. Uh, mutuals. One of my mutuals um, had done a very, very big Kickstarter. They, he was a video game designer, so you know the budgets on those are much bigger. And yep. it funded it funded really well. It did $200,000, but in the video game world, that goes fast. And yeah. so he actually had um, ended up it ended up not being able to be produced because they, they ran out of funds. It just didn't work out. So he was giving me his, his tale of woe. And he's like, all right, just just do me this favor and make sure that whatever you think it's going to cost, I want you to times it by three. Yeah. And I was like, okay. So I, I took that into account. When we set our uh, our goal of 7,500, it was taking into account that, okay, we might have to come out of pocket a couple thousand dollars, but we can swing that. We can't swing right. the whole thing, but we can swing part of it because we really wanted this to happen. Yep. And um, obviously the community was like, no, thank you. But um, <laughs> <laughs> so we, we did get some of that feedback to be very careful about not under, um, yeah. you know, not overselling ourselves or overextending ourselves. And um, yeah, I think that that was one of the most invaluable uh, conversations that I had because it was a really it was a really um, real conversation. They were very open with what had happened, and it's a vulnerable thing to have to to have to talk about. Well, as somebody who's backed, I think a total of five Kickstarters and were never delivered on. It was always that same story. It was always that same story. Um, how did you come up with, or how did you back into your delivery date? That was actually that was actually a conversation with Sean Nittner. Mm -hmm. um, we asked what Evil Hat's uh, delivery timelines, uh, what their backer timelines are, and um, we decided that people would be less upset if we delivered early. Um, we were originally saying that December of uh, 2021 um, we were going to have the the book done, and we we can probably hit that timeline. Mm -hmm. But we wanted to make sure that there was plenty of room for, I mean, we've got the possibility of extra submissions for like the community zine. We've got uh, it, God willing, if we uh, can get Court of Thrones um, backed, uh, I, we're going to have to play test and yep. refine that particular uh, set of mechanics. That one might not come out at the same time. That's a that's a big that's a big that, that's a big deal. It's a whole other game. <laughs> it, is. it is. It's, it's like yeah. a mini game you got to kind of tack on. Uh, but there's also the matter of international shipping because international shipping is so very tricky for yeah. a um, for you know if you're starting out and you don't have connections and distributors yeah. and you don't know how many copies you're going to sell. Um, and it's really you hate to say it, but you're like if I send you a book from here and you're in the UK, that book is gonna cost more than the book to ship it to. It's $40 to ship a book to the UK. Yep. And I, I wish I could do something about that, but I really can't. Uh, but if we 
now that we see how many uh, people from overseas are backing, we're like, we might actually be able to get them better prices on a, on a non-POD with a distributor, but that takes time because you have to send you have to send it like freight. You have to send it like oh, they overboat so to say to, for the shipping costs, and then uh, it gets to the distributor, and the distributor has to take it out and send it out to everybody. So that'll really extend that timeline. And we just really didn't want to run into a situation where uh, people, especially around December, where people are so so worked up about the holidays, yeah. we didn't want anybody associating it with oh, I'm going to get this in time for Christmas. That that's scary. So <laughs> had you had I saw December. 21 on there um it would have it wouldn't have stopped me from backing it but i, I really would have gone mm. yeah, I <laughs> like, <do> <laughs> so it was good advice it was good yeah. advice and uh it i have now because i have a huge kickstarter problem um it's one of the things that i looked i look to i, I look mm -hmm. to it and if it's if it's too soon I, 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 it stopped me from backing before because, yeah. and this sounds terrible, but it's just like, well, they're amateurs yeah. and this, this proves that they're amateurs and they don't know what mm -hmm. they're doing. So my chances of getting this are, are, are much less. Um, so that was excellent <laughs> advice. So now the big question, which uh -oh. is if I were to break into the Drake's house tonight, oh no, you guys are out to dinner. You're not there. Um, <laughs> and to look at what condition is Court of Blades in today? What's left? I'll feel that. Okay. I'll feel that. Um, so it's text complete. Um, it's in the midst of being edited for tone, just cohesiveness of tone. Um, we are completely playable. Uh, everything that is going to be in Court of Blades is in Court of Blades as of today. Mm -hmm. That's great. Um, but it's missing all of its gorgeous art that we're about to commission. It's missing its, uh, its map. Um, it is basically the, the game that we have had so much fun with our weekly group for about the past year and a half, um, with a couple of extra cool goodies that have been, you know, added on from other groups. Um, but yes, it's a playable product that will be That's deliverable good. by the, by the end of the Kickstarter. So in your mind, the design, the design of the game is done, right? Your pencil's yeah. down at this point. So now it's a matter of, of producing it. Does that sound accurate? Only the drudgery remains. Mm -hmm. Yeah, all the boring <laughs> shit. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Um, so obviously, we're gonna we're gonna link to the Kickstarter um, uh, here in the show notes, um, and I'll be blasting it on on Twitter when this comes out as well. If people want more Drakes, um, where else can they go? Well, you can yell at me on Twitter. Uh, mm -hmm. That's pretty effective. I'm at Drake and Dice. And I am at Navi Musing, um, and that is exactly what I do on that particular Twitter feed. Uh, I'm a little bit of a cheerleader for the TTRPG community, so you're going to get a lot of other people's games and things mixed in, and sometimes just random stuff that I think is kind of fun. I am I am the junk food of the community, so if you're coming to me, you're coming to me for like wholesome, like really good detail, that's not what I'm about. So go to him for that because he's really great at like really getting into the nitty gritty of like TTRPGs. Meanwhile, I'm like, check out this funny meme. Yeah, I'm your vegetables. I'm all the roughage. <laughs> She's the buttered popcorn. Exactly. She's buttered popcorn, and I'm like broccoli. 
Um, um, well, I'm enjoying both Twitter feeds, uh, so we'll, we'll link to those as well. I'm also going to link to your itch because uh, there's some really neat stuff on there. Um, uh, like I said, and if you if listeners, if you play Blades, just go spend the five, ten, fifteen bucks, whatever you want to give them. Just go get them. Trust me. Um, the those uh, the their Blade supplements are excellent. Um, I can't think enough. I mean, you guys are in the middle of it all right now, and you made time for uh, for me and my listeners. So I, I just can't thank you enough. We appreciate the invitation. Yeah, this was really, this was really great. I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> For those of you fools that sat around all the way to the end listening, I appreciate you sticking around. Take care. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch so you don't miss the avalanche of content we create. Links are in the show notes. Be sure to check out our shop on thirdfloorwars.com for the latest in gaming apparel and gear. There you'll also find the latest information for the U.S. Faux Tour. Find out where you rank in your conference or even in the entire United States. Get those models built, painted, and ready so we can see you at the next U.S. Faux Tour Masters event. Please take a moment to write a review of this pod on your favorite platform. Rating and reviewing helps us find more listeners almost as cool as you are. Be sure to share this feed with all of your friends who love tabletop gaming. Thanks for listening. All I'm right. gonna grab some water real fast. Take your time. Unacceptable. <laughs> Professionalism. So I'm super happy. Giant be- jug. <laughs> I'm super happy because we we covered a lot of the development now. So I think we can transition right into um, the what I what I think a lot of people are gonna be find interesting, which is you know how you guys have pulled off what the hell you pulled off. Well, if you figure it out before before we do. I have been living through your reactions because I, I have been sitting here. Oh, shit. I got to start recording. Hold on. Let me bring us back. <laughs> this, this is going to be good. I was going to pay you a compliment. Um, <laughs> so. Go ahead. Went all over the place at the end there. <laughs> um, great job, guys. Perfect. Exactly what I love is just shooting the shit, which makes me really happy. Thank you. Awesome. All right. Um, trying to think how I want to bring us back. Hey, are you still here? Look, uh, the podcast is over. And you sat through all of the breaks and bloopers? Well, I mean, if you're here, might as well run over to patreon.com and become a supporter. Don't forget to rate and review this podcast, too, while you're at it on whatever platform you're listening to. I do appreciate you sticking around. Take care.